Well, sometimes you get it right, and sometimes you get it wrong. How many times have you gotten it wrong? Uh, I have gotten it wrong multitudes upon multitudes of times. Uh, there have been so many different times that I've gotten it wrong that it's hard to come up with just a few examples uh, to help. Uh, so what I will do is I will go to my most recent got it wrong moment. My most recent that I can talk about, the most recent got it wrong moment uh, happened yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I hope you do. Uh, some uh, of our men are going to get together and we are going to go on a camping adventure. September 26, 27, and 28. We're going to leave from here. We're going to go to the Shenandoah National Park and we are going to camp out uh, in uh, primitive settings uh, to, uh, uh, to just kind of be uh, men. I don't know. I, it's going to be a great time, though. And uh, so we're, we call it the Great Adventure Weekend, and it's going to be a wonderful time uh, together. Well, uh, yesterday, uh, I went to uh, the Shenandoah National Park to scout out where uh, we could go. Now, it's important because there are specific rules in the primitive camping at, uh, and back, uh, backpacking and, and backcountry camping in the Shenandoah National Park. So you really do have to have a plan. And uh, so I, uh, I got up early uh, Saturday morning and drove to the Shenandoah National Park and I had a plan. There were three specific uh, trails and uh, trail loops that uh, I was looking at in particular. And by the way, I went on all three. And by the way, I'm very, very sore. Uh, but anyway, uh, regardless, we, uh, I, I got to the first one, and it's the one I think we're going to do. I'm not going to tell you which one it was. But, but I, I got to the first trailhead, parked the car. Now, the great thing about Shenandoah National Park is you can buy these maps that give you details about the trails and, and that kind of thing. And, and there are books that you can buy that, uh, the, uh, that, that uh, different Appalachian Trail gurus have put together and you can read those things. And, and certainly I have those and had them in my backpack and, and I had them ready and I had been uh, studying them, studied them on Friday and, and, uh, and, and broke them out and looked at them. And, and so I had my plan, get to the first trailhead and I start down the trail. Now, uh, the, the details in the map and the details in the manual, the book, the trail guide book, uh, were very specific. And they said, you'll take, uh, you'll, you'll take the trailhead and you will intersect with the Appalachian Trail. And the book and the map both showed that when you intersect with the Appalachian Trail, you are to hang a right. That's what it said. So I get on uh, the trailhead, go down, and I finally intersect with the Appalachian Trail. And I went left. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is going to be fun uh, because I, I thought I was going the correct way. I thought that, that I remembered correctly what I was supposed to do. So I get to the trailhead. I go to the Appalachian Trail. I hang a left. Remember, the maps say right. The trail guide says right. I went left. 
Well, as I'm hiking along, and uh, the good news about this is uh, you don't have to hike very far before you hit another intersection. If it's not the intersection that you're looking for, then you know you done got it wrong. So I hike, not very long, uh, two miles, and hike, it wasn't that far, it was 1.7 is exactly what it says. Uh, I hiked for 1.7 miles in the wrong direction, came to an intersection that I knew I was not supposed to be at, and I sat down and I wept. <laughs> I got it wrong. How many times have you gotten it wrong? We, we sometimes get it wrong. If you're a fan of the Washington Redskins. No, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Philadelphia Eagles, if you're a fan of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, or a fan of the uh, uh, New York Giants. Get it wrong. But you will get it right if you're a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. That's right, that's right. You're right, 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 right. I mean, we got hissing going on. What is this? Man, boo and hiss. Uh, some of y'all been writing me email, haven't you? I can tell. That, anyway, so sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. But uh, when it's uh, walking down a trail, no big deal. If it's a football team or a sporting event, no big deal. But when it comes to life, I mean real life, everyday life, when it comes to the important matters of life, we need to get it right. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus encounters a group of people named the Sadducees. And through his encounter with them and through his discussion with them, today we are going to learn how we can get it right. Um, what Jesus does in Mark chapter 12, beginning verse 18, he, he, he's encountering the Sadducees. And, and if you flip down to verse 27, the last verse of the passage we're going to look at, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus says something along these lines. You are greatly mistaken. You see that? Mark chapter 12, verse 28. You are greatly mistaken. He told the Sadducees, you have gotten it wrong. You've missed it. Today, perhaps Jesus would say to you about a relationship or a decision or a life choice or an emotional baggage that you continue to carry or an attitude toward another that you continue to have or words that you've said or are saying choices that you have made or are making and perhaps perhaps Jesus is looking at you this morning and he's saying friends you are greatly mistaken but it doesn't have to be that way see God is a God of great grace and he gives us the help we need to move from getting it wrong to getting it right. So Jesus, through this passage, teaches us a better way to live. We don't have to live in the getting it wrong syndrome. We can move beyond that. Even if we've taken a left at the trail rather than a right at the trail, we can have a great turnaround so that we can get back on course and get it right. As Jesus is approached by these 
Sadducees. You remember last week, you remember last week, we looked at verses uh, 12 through through 17. um, And it begins with the Pharisees and the Herodians coming to Jesus, trying to trap him and trip him up. And Jesus uh, then responds to them and, and gives us a better way of life. And, and so uh, that, that was the Pharisees and the Herodians. Today, it's the Sadducees. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Sadducees. The Sadducees, again, like the uh, Pharisees and the Herodians, were part of this big power group called the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin literally were, uh, was a group that called the shots religiously and socially in Palestine. Uh, they were one of the three great influencers and one of the two great influencers uh, as it relates to everyday life. Uh, Herod being one of them, uh, who was the uh, uh, puppet king for Rome in Palestine and uh, the Sanhedrin being the other. The Sanhedrin uh, was uh, comprised of different groups, uh, a group called the Pharisees and they were kind of the dominant group, some would say. Uh, they were uh, very traditional, uh, very focused on uh, the letter of the law in the Old Testament, and, 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 but they were very protective of their own influence and power. They wanted to protect their, their stature and their station in Palestine. We also saw last week that there were the Herodians, and the Herodians were kind of puppets from, uh, for Herod on the court of the Sanhedrin. They weren't really that concerned about religious things. Uh, very, very, very focused on their stuff um, and, uh, and yet wanted to hold on to their position and place of power and influence. Now, today, we look at the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, um, they were not as uh, liberal uh, as the Herodians, uh, and they definitely weren't as traditional or conservative as the Pharisees. They were kind of middle ground, but not really. They were a little bit further to the, to the liberal side. The, the Sadducees were an interesting group. They fell out of power. There were no more Sadducees after 70 AD because they were instrumental in leading an uprising that led to the destruction of Jerusalem. And so there were no more Sadducees after 70 AD. But this group of people, uh, religious folks, uh, they had some, some ideas different than the Pharisees. One of their ideas were uh, they didn't really care that much about uh, any part of the Old Testament except the first five books, the Pentateuch. Uh, and, and can anybody name the first five books? What's the first one? Oh, y'all are great. Yeah, so those are the, that's called the Pentateuch. Uh, sometimes it's called the Torah. Uh, but uh, uh, which is the commandments, uh, but the, the Sadducees, they only cared about those first five books. They weren't concerned about uh, Joshua or Judges or Ruth or First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings or First and Chronicles or um, uh, Psalms. They didn't care that much about Psalms. They didn't care about Proverbs or, or uh, Esther or any of those books. None of the prophets didn't care about Hosea or Joel or Isaiah or Jeremiah. They certainly didn't care about Lamentations. And my goodness, they wouldn't even touch Song of Solomon. <laughs> kind of like me. I won't touch it. All right, so uh, they, they, they weren't concerned about any other parts of Scripture except for the Torah. Everything else was irrelevant. And uh, so it led them to have peculiar ideas. More importantly, they, they were far more concerned about their own ideas than they were about what God might have said in the Old Testament. Um, 
which led them to what we see in Mark chapter 12 and what we know about the Sadducees. They did not believe in the resurrection. They did not believe that there was such a thing as resurrection. They believed that once you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. You're worm dirt at that point, and that's the end of the journey, okay? And so that was their view. Now, when they approach Jesus, they're approaching him with a, uh, a kind of a, a riddle. And their goal was to trip Jesus up and trap him, just like uh, the Pharisees and the Herodians. Uh, they're using a, a riddle that they use in debates to try to show the insanity of coinciding the Torah or the Old Testament Pentateuch with the idea of the resurrection. They, 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 so let, let's read this, this riddle and, and, and then try to break through some, some principles on how we can get it right. All right, so uh, beginning in verse 18, then some Sadducees, here it is, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and they asked him, saying, Teacher, now here's where they appeal to Moses, all right? The writer, the one who wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, right? Moses. Uh, so they say, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind uh, and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. All right, so there's the appeal. And Moses certainly said that's the principle of the kinsman redeemer. And here is uh, the idea that um, a man and a woman are married. Uh, the man dies. They have no children. So the man's brother should come along and marry the widowed wife. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's the idea of the kinsman redeemer. All right. Now what, uh, what they do is they, they make the appeal to the Torah, the Pentateuch. Now they're going to give the riddle. Uh, verse, uh, verse 20 says, Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and once he had died, he left no offspring. And the second brother took uh, the woman to be his wife, and he died, and, and, and they didn't have any children. And so the third did likewise. So seven uh, of the brothers uh, had this woman to be their wife and left no offspring, the last of all, and then last of all, the woman died. So here's, that's the riddle. Now here's the question. Therefore, verse 21, therefore in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. All right, so, so they pose this riddle and uh, they're trying to trip Jesus, trying to show that the resurrection can't happen because of this riddle that they've posed, which is silly. Um, and Christ's response to them is verse 28. I, after saying some things, verse 28 is, uh, hey guys, you are greatly mistaken. All right. So before we get to the better way of life, let me just kind of throw out two real big principles here. Okay. First, there is going to be a resurrection. Okay. Uh, you die, you will be resurrected. And if you die without Jesus Christ as your Savior and the, as the sacrifice paid for your sin, if you, if you die apart from a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, then you will be resurrected and you will spend eternity in judgment called hell. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have by faith trusted Him as your Savior and King, and uh, uh, you will be resurrected when you die. You will be resurrected. And you will spend eternity in, uh, in heaven. And so uh, that is fact. Uh, you, you, you might not believe it, but it is fact. Okay? 
So when Jesus says you're greatly mistaken, he's telling the Sadducees, y'all need, need to get some education when it comes to God's stuff. All right, so there's going to be a resurrection. Now, there are some, even some of my peers over time, who have said, well, it's not, you know, there's not really going to be a resurrection. And these are preacher types. They're just like the Sadducees. And he said, there's not going to be a resurrection. You're just going to die and be worm dirt. And they have a lot of philosophies and a lot of ideologies as to why they believe that to be true. But Jesus says to them today, maybe you today, you are greatly mistaken. There will be a resurrection. All right, so, so that's one thing. Uh, the second thing that I would say, uh, point to, is when you look at this passage, verse 25, Jesus says uh, that uh, when you get to heaven, there's not going to be giving or receiving in marriage. You see that? Uh, let, let me read the exact phraseology there in verse 25. He says, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are uh, like the angels in heaven. All right, so here's, here's what's happened. Some have taken, and many have taken, that verse, that statement by Jesus to say that there's no such thing as marriage in heaven. That when, when, uh, when you're a husband and a wife, uh, when you die, you get to heaven, you're not going to know that Billy was your husband and Susie was your wife. Okay, so, so they take this verse in verse 25 and they say, well, Jesus is, is saying that, that marriage becomes null and void once you get to heaven. But that's not what Jesus said. Okay? What Jesus said explicitly was this. When you get to heaven, if you're a single guy or a single gal, you're not going to walk down Golden Street Avenue A, walk by the corner store and see uh, uh, Susie there and say, man, I've been single for about a thousand years. Susie has captured my fancy, and I think it's time for me to get married. And so you start courting Susie, and, and uh, Susie says, Man, I've been, I've, I have been married going on 1,500 years, and Billy is a, he's an okay sort of guy. He's nice to me. He treats me nice. I think I'll get married. And so Billy and Susie, they decide that they're going to get married, and they ask Peter to conduct the ceremony. <laughs> and they get hitched. No, it doesn't work that way. Jesus said when you get to heaven, you, there's not going to be that, that marriage ceremony. Uh, that, there, there's not going to be the giving and the receiving of marriage. He, he, but he's not saying that marriage is null and void. When you get to heaven... You're going to know your husband. You're going to know your wife. And, and you have been married, and you will continue to be married in heaven. Um, uh, but you won't get married in heaven. You see? See the difference? So you can be married when you're in heaven, but you will not get married in heaven. I thought about snide comments here to some of our men. Marriage is forever. But then I thought about my wife, and I didn't want to burden her with too much despair for all eternity, baby. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you were counting on being able to forget about it once you got to heaven, not in this passage. All right, so Jesus teaches us a better way of life. 
Now, those are two big things, kind of doctrinal things. Um, but when it comes to getting it right versus getting it wrong, uh, we need to acknowledge, first of all, that sometimes we do get it wrong. We, we need to go ahead and acknowledge that. Uh, sometimes the, the map says take a right, the book says take a right, and we take a left. Okay? Sometimes we get it wrong. But you know, like the Sadducees, I think we get it wrong for, for some primary reasons. Again, if I may take a moment and pick on some men for a little bit, and, and this might not apply to all men, but I think it applies to many men. It certainly applies to this man. Um, suppose, for instance, you uh, uh, were to go out, you were to buy a grill, and, uh, and you get that grill, and, and you load the box up in your car, and, and you get it home, and you get into the, into the den, and it's a big box. It's not a small box. Big boxes. It's a big box, so you rip open the top and you peel it back and it's got this styrofoam stuff and you start pulling out styrofoam and then you pull out all the pieces and you got all these pieces and you spread them out all over the den and, and, and then somewhere in there, now with the grill that we got, there were two packages, but, but somewhere in there, there's this little clear uh, package uh, and in that package, many times, most of the time, there are uh, other things in that package. There are nuts and bolts and hex nuts and, and wing nuts and, and long uh, uh, bolts and small bolts. And there were some screws in there. And I just, mm, yeah, yeah, mm. right? Now it's so exciting, right? And you rip that open, you uh, throw those things out on the floor, and then you put that package aside. There, there, there's always something else in that package, by the way. It's, what is it? Instructions, right, 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 right. So, so you, if you're someone like me, what you'll do is you'll get out all the fun stuff and then you take that package and you throw it over the side. Because I don't need no stinking instructions. And so I sit down with all the pieces and all the little uh, screws and nuts and everything and, and, and I start working. And I start working. You know, and, and then I'll ask, you know, one of the girls, can y'all go get me a Phillips head screwdriver? I mean, it doesn't, there's not a Phillips head screw down there, but man, I need a Phillips head screwdriver. You know, they bring a Phillips head. Hey, baby, can you go get me a hammer? Now, why do you need a hammer? Well, if that, if that screw is just a little too long, you got to hammer that thing in. You know, you, you know get that thing in there and so you work on that you work on that all the while the instructions are right back there but man you're you're working it and working it and, and finally um, we'll return to this in a moment but finally you get through with the with the with the grill you got a wheel on top and you got a wheel down here the lid supposed to open it doesn't open you know it uh, it, 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 it doesn't stand quite right it's a little tilted and crooked it definitely doesn't work. Sometimes we get it wrong and it makes our life crooked. It just doesn't work like it's supposed to work. But Jesus wants us to know that God gives us all the help that we need to get it right. So what, what does he say to the Sadducees? Well, he says, first of all, you're mistaken. You got it wrong. But then he tells them why. Now you look at verse 24. 
Jesus tells the Sadducees why they get it wrong and why we get it wrong. Verse 24, he says, Are you not therefore mistaken? Because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. The reason they got it wrong is because they didn't know Scriptures and they didn't know the power of God. So if we're going to get it right, we've got to do the exact opposite of what the Sadducees did. We've got to know Scripture. We've got to know the power of God. So sometimes we get it wrong, but we can move from getting it wrong to getting it right because God has given us His Word to teach us and instruct us how to get it right. And go back to the grill, and, and I've gotten it wrong because I didn't look to God's Word. And my life is crooked and chaotic, and it just doesn't work right. But you know, that instruction manual is still right there. And it's waiting for me to open her up and apply the steps to my life to pull apart the pieces that weren't supposed to fit the way I was trying to make them fit. And to put my life back together the way it was intended. Jesus says, you get it wrong because you're not listening to God as he speaks by his spirit through his word. You realize that scripture is not just some good little textbook and it's, it's not just some little idea or, or a book of philosophies or neat little sayings or teachings. All those things are true, but... That's not what Scripture is. Do you realize Scripture is literally absolute truth given to us from the lips of God Himself for us to read, to know, and to follow? Psalm 119 verse 160 says that God's Word literally gives us life. You know, sometimes we get it wrong, but most of the time I get it wrong because I'm not listening to what God has to say, and I'm listening a lot to what Eric has to say. I'm, I'm, I'm not listening to what God teaches and instructs and, 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 and inspires through His Word. I'm listening to what Eric feels or what Eric thinks he knows. Or what Eric's experiences have been. I'm not listening to the Spirit of God tear open my heart and pinpoint the places that are messed up. No, I'm, I'm listening to Eric's ambitions or Eric's preferences or Eric's own internal desires. And I get it wrong. Friends, if we're going to move from getting it wrong to getting it right, we need to listen to God's Word. We need to hear God speaking through His Word. 
Psalm 119, verse 105. God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word teaches us, instructs us, gives us insight in how to live every day. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says that God's word is the sword of the Spirit. It's that instrument that God has given us to defend against attack. To know how to handle the temptations that come our way. Can, can I ask you? Are you allowing God's word to teach you? Friends, I, I know that you listen to people. I mean, you listen to me, heaven help you, or Joel Osteen, or Dr. Oz. Or Joyce Meyer. And I'm not saying anything against any of those folks. Including myself. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Why are you listening to secondhand information? When as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can go straight to the source. Friends, you don't need to hear what I have to say about what God has said to me. As much as you need to hear what God has to say to you in his word God teaches us by his word the Sadducees got it wrong because they didn't know God's word and many of us are getting it wrong today in our families in our finances in our relationships in our emotions in our service in our worship we're getting it wrong because we're not being taught by the Word of God. Today, we need to hear God speak in His Word. We get it right when we hear what God says in His Word. God teaches us in His Word, and then uh, also... Jesus said, you don't know God's word and you don't know God's power. Do you know that God not only teaches us by his word, but he empowers us with his presence as the spirit of God opens his word to our lives. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 16 tells us that we are the temple of the spirit of God. Do you, you realize that? As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the very house of God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God resides within every believer, has clothed every believer with the presence of God so that we might live in the power of God. But friends, so many of us as followers of Christ, we limp along consistently going left rather than right 
Not because God has stopped speaking, not because his power isn't present. It's because you and I refuse to yield ourselves, surrender our ambitions and desires to the leadership and the direction of the Spirit of God. We live our moments giving God the stiff arm and saying, don't touch this part of my life. It's a wound, yes, but I like the wound. It's pride, yes, but I like the pride. It's a sin, yes, but I'm enjoying the sin. So God, give me your power, but don't try to rule my life. And friends, it doesn't work. The reason the church is filled with, with grills that are missing wheels and, and with grills that are missing um, lids with... <coughs> I'm speaking metaphor now, you know that, right? With, with grills that are, that are, that are cockeyed and, and barely holding on, that are, that are crooked and, and faulty and, and unstable. The reason... The church is filled with those type of grills is because the church is filled with individuals, followers of Christ, who have refused to yield to the Spirit of God speaking through God's Word. Why is it that we live our moments in, uh, in hapless, joyless, uh, chaotic lives? Why? Friends, I would suggest that the first place to look is this. Are you listening to God's word? Are you surrendered to the spirit of God as he directs you through God's word? Guys, I'm not saying life is easy. I'm just saying it's not that complex. It's not that complex. You listen to what God says and you do what God says and you'll have the life filled with power and saturated with God's presence. But you live your life for yourself, refusing to yielding to the Spirit of God, refusing to do what God says, and you are a joyless, hapless, miserable, bitter soul. You're chaotic. You're toxic. You're downright mean. Or wild or unstable or crooked. Don't blame it on all these other outside sources. You know where it begins? Here. As we hear what God says and as we do what God says. You want to live a powerful life? You want to have a life that's filled with the power and the protection and the provision of the living God, then today commit yourself to spend time in God's Word and spend time yielded to the Spirit of God applying God's Word to your life. People leave the church sometimes. Have you known that? Did you know that people leave the church sometimes? And when I say the church, I'm talking about this local family of faith and they go somewhere else, right? 
Y'all know that, right? Have, did you know that? It happens. It happens. <laughs> uh, one of the most one of the reasons people give for leaving the church is because the pastor has not fed me enough. That, that's that's one of the reasons, and and I hear it. I, I hear it, I, and 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 I understand. And you know what? I feel that, man. I hate I hate that accusation. In my head, I hate it. In my heart, it stings. But you know what I've come to realize? Y'all are grown-up followers of Jesus Christ. You want to live your life as a baby? Then probably you need to go someplace where somebody's going to spoon-feed you. But here, I have too much respect for you to do that. I count on you feeding yourself God's Word. Are you? Now, I'm going to be found faithful in preaching God's Word. And I'm going to be found faithful in, in, in doing all that I can to open God's Word for you. But that's a 30-minute, 30 39-minute journey every week. My soul, if you're counting on 39 minutes of food for seven days of living... Wait, stop. Is that what you're counting on? No wonder you're starved. Try it this week. Today, eat for 39 minutes. Eat for 40 minutes. And don't eat another meal all week. How do you think you'd feel? Doc, how would they turn out? Would it be all right? Probably not. They'd be in the fetal position by 8 o'clock tonight is what they're, you know. Yeah, it'd be weak. You won't have any strength. Why won't you have strength? Because you're not nourished. How do you get nourished? Not by a 30-minute meal on a Sunday morning. You get nourished every day as you devour the truth of God in His Word, allowing the Spirit of God to awaken your soul and unleash His power in you. So today, I just want to encourage you. Move from getting it wrong to getting it right. Allow God to teach you in his word. And see how God will empower you by saturating your life with his presence as you yield to his spirit, as you do what he says. Let's live in power today.